This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn, bemused as always. We're talking about Funky Kingston, Bohemian Rhapsody, Shoplifters. I called him Morgan. <laughs> the old man and the gun. <laughs> oh, I think that's quite enough, don't that's you? That's more than one enough. Episode. Yes, 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 yes. What have you seen? I have Impress seen me. I have seen you sitting across the table from me, Andrew. What have you seen? I'm throwing it right back okay, at you. Okay, good, good. Uh, I was lucky enough to see a documentary that I thought I would never see because it's on one of the streaming services that I choose not to pay for and subscribe to. Yes. The documentary is I Called Him Morgan about the jazz trumpeter Lee Morgan. Right. And what makes it an interesting documentary is that it's a recorded interview with Lee Morgan's wife that the filmmaker luckily happened to come across just as she had gotten out of jail for his murder. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm hooked. I'm yeah. there. I'm yeah. there. All right. So as a way of introducing myself to the class, I would always hand out this uh, bio of me with my picture and everything, stating that you know I was a jazz radio announcer and a little bit of background information on who I was. When I gave it to her, she said, oh, I love jazz. So I said, really? She said, oh yeah, by the way, my husband was a jazz musician and her last name was Morgan. And I said, your husband, what was his name? And she said his name was Lee. So I said, Lee Morgan, the trumpet player? Lee Morgan's wife shot him to death and she went to prison, and this filmmaker. Give me, give me a time period. Uh, I think nineteen seventy-two. Okay, I right. think. Right. Uh, Lee Morgan is, is black a, or white? He's a black jazz trumpeter who is associated with the hard bop movement. New York, Chicago. Yep, yeah, New well, York. New York, and uh, lived in New York, and yep. uh, was shot in New York, and played then died. played with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Mm-hmm. Also had his own. And his own groups. His famous song would be The Sidewinder, but there's there's so much material. He, he did an album of mainly Benny Golson stuff called City Lights, which is one of my favourite albums by him. Just By Myself is the lead track there for me, but also Search for the New Land. There's so, there's so much material. In, in those days uh, with a lot of the artists on Blue Note recording at Rudy Van Gelder's uh, Englewood Cliff Studio, the one he purpose-built after moving from his, his parents' house which he he recorded a lot of the great jazz uh, tracks in he was cheap and fast so they were able to get a lot not just blue note but also prestige i think riverside used him as well and so there's a lot of material that you can hear of lee morgan's and he's a magnificent musician and like many others of course succumbed to drug abuse and uh suffered heroin, and like. yeah heroin yeah uh but it talks all as well as being taped uh, testimony from Helen, his wife. There's also interviews with one or two still living uh, members of groups that he played in. A lot of jazz musicians died very young due to heroin, due to diseases of the uh, of the immune Cirrhosis system, cirrhosis of the liver, cirrhosis, pneumonia, tuberculosis, all the hepatitis. kind of things. Hepatitis, the things you get when your body runs down. So that when Miles Davis died, he was in his sixties, and and one of the obituaries I read said that he lived a very long life for a jazz musician. Mm. You know, mm. um, you know, Fats Navarro was twenty eight when he died. Charlie Parker was like thirty four. Now I just, I'm going to segue a little bit. Yeah, you, sure, sure. You, you play jazz, right? Jazz, yeah. yeah, yeah. So should we like be? 
planning your obituary? I mean, you know. Oh, oh, look, I've I've passed the danger zone of <laughs> of mid to late twenties. Right now, I'm at now now I am where I am. I reckon I'm fine. You're I, one of the I, grand I, old I'm, men. I'm, I'm one of the men who, who who managed to make it through the other <laughs> side, you know, intact, as it were. Whew. So it's there's lots of people who have any Blue Note records or CDs will will know the marvelous photography of Francis Wolfe beautiful photographs and the documentary is just bulging with them and also some footage and it's it's something that's of interest to people I think who who may not have heard of Lee Morgan or might not be into hard bop or jazz or, or virtuosity in musicianship just the idea that you don't often get a man's being shot by his wife and then her sitting and giving a full candid and open testimony and discussion. This is on camera? No, she she is uh, was was quite um I'm led to believe I don't want to say vain, but had a pride in her appearance and right. uh, didn't want to be seen and so was was happy to be right. taped and to right. talk but not filmed. Right. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, you're going to give us a clue about where you can see it. No, I'm going to tell you exactly where you can see it, right? <laughs> you can see it on Netflix, Carl. You can see it on Netflix. And I took advantage of some loophole that allowed me a month free Netflix. So I was able to watch this. That's the only reason I did it. You'll I be, don't think there's anything else well, for now, me to now watch. You're done on with that. You can binge the Vampire Diaries. And, no, thank uh, you. No, thank you. There's nothing else, as far as I can tell, on Netflix. Where, oh, oh, actually, there is. They, as, as is often the case, as, as was the case with Alexander the Great, they somehow made two films simultaneously about the assassination of Reinhard Heydrich. Operation Apostrophe, was it called? Gosh, I should know this. Anyway, one of the, one of the two is on Netflix, so I, I, can, I can watch that. Help me, who's Reinhard Heydrich? He... Was he called the Beast of Prague? That's where he was assassinated. He was said to be the architect of the final solution. Uh-huh. And the Wannsee conference where all the top Nazis and, and generals all got together to discuss what are we going to do about this. And he he was the, the guy with a bright idea. Um and was the most feared. There's a few people who get given the, the title of architect of the final solution. Mm. Albert Speer. Mm. Is Himmler thrown mm. in there as Look, well? Look, they of course they they're all complicit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he he was it, it was it was very interesting. Anthropoid, Operation Anthropoid, not apostrophe was not apostrophe. You can see why though. Was some some Czech uh, secret service man, I suppose, living in London. There was a whole lot of Czech exiles who, as well as Poles, in London, and they got together to organise. We got to. He was he was in he was based in Prague in a castle, Heydrich, and we've got to assassinate him because he's a monster. Mm-hmm. True, and they did, and the reprisals were as you would expect, just horrific and ghastly. And so there are two films out, and one of them is on Netflix. It's very interesting they do two at once. One of them I think is on the Lauren Binet um, quasi postmodernistic novel biography HHHH have you heard of that book no. it's, it's really good but also it, it allows you insight you know Dave Eggers style of thing yeah, right okay. it, it, you get an insight into the author that m- makes you wonder why he would want you to know this much right. about him <laughs> too much information well it's just I think he was trying to write this meta 
kind of thing. And I just feel that, that he, he doesn't come across Does very he kind well. Of implicate himself in the whole psychology of Nazis? No, 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 no. It's just about him. It's like a d- sort of a diary of him writing this book and researching this book right. about um, Heydrich, but also about his relationship and how needy and pathetic he is. All right, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, it's a while since I read it, and but but I just remember, and I think like, his girlfriend was like a, pa- I think his partner in the, and like, she leaves, and I just thought, why are you telling? Us? <laughs> you just we don't because you, you keep get all this stuff out and have a pretty good book, I reckon. Right, and it's it's look, it's still a pretty good book. I don't want to dissuade anybody from reading it, but I think the other film is a, a direct um, adaptation of that book. Wow, that was just like the wildest freeform jazz riff. Yeah, man. (laughs) We started with A A B A. (laughs) (laughs) So we ended up a long way from my funny Valentine. Let me say. So so I called him Morgan. Uh, You can watch it on the Netflix. It's worth watching. It's only a ninety-minute thing. It's not very long, but it's it's quite fascinating. That's all I have to say on the topic. On Reinhard Heydrich, I'll have more to say next week. Andrew, speaking of musical oh, related yes, yes, films, yes, of course. There's, there's a little number called Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. Have you seen it? No, no. I, I'm not opposed to seeing the film. Right. I'm opposed to any notion that there could be a resurgence for this band <laughs> that was enough the first time around that I don't need to keep hearing and I don't need to keep listening to. And, and in the same way, I didn't like, I, I didn't mind Queen, but Bohemian Rhapsody bored the pants off me. Oh, come on now. Did no, it bore the did. pants off you from the first time no, you No, 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 no. But, but you, you heard it very often yeah. when it, over and over, just like Fernando. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it was just too much, man. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. And... So, yeah, uh, looking at what's happened to ABBA, how they're the band that refused to die, how they're making, they make these movies and then the musicals and then the stage musical. And it's just ongoing and it's just too much for me. Okay. Fortunately, I can steer away from that. It doesn't impact on my life, the resurgence of ABBA love too much. But I'm worried that this Queen thing, it might be different. I might find it harder to avoid. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Queen have ever really gone away. I mean, they were certainly at their zenith in the late 70s, early 80s. And and again, I guess in the mid 80s, they had Mm -hmm. a sort of resurgence. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, kids... It's kind of. Don't talk about kids. Kids still dig it, you know. My kids. my kids got kids so, so kids into are so it for a while. brainwashed, man. Oh, kids come are on. brainwashed. No, no. And, and kids, kids <sighs> do the brainwashing. They do the brainwashing. <laughs> I, look, I got to say that Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the song, film. oh the song, the song, the song right, yeah. holds a, a, a like a, a rock solid place in my in my sort of you know my psyche. Mm-hmm. When I was about twelve, playing soccer. Right, that song was huge. Yeah, it was uh, this ritual I had every time we went to a game. I had to wear my leopard print undies <laughs> to watch a game or to play a game. To play, to play a game. I had yep. to wear my leopard print undies. Sure, and I had to sing all parts yeah. of Bohemian Rhapsody in my head. Right, I had oh, to. I, had to oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't do it out loud. Yeah. That came later. Where, was but, this in the changing room with the no, other no, boys no, no, and no. their this animals? Is a, this is in the back of my father's Vol- Volkswagen yeah. twelve hundred station yep. wagon. And you know, then. yeah, uh, on the way to the game, and so that that was a ritual. Now I, I find it quite quite moving in some way that my my daughter, my fifteen year old daughter, who plays soccer, sport, plays soccer and footy, right. Yeah. Uh, basically Beyonce's freedom Mm. occupied exactly the same role. Good. Except that 
it was out loud. So yeah, well, we go to we go to every loud. game and bang, it would be on, and she'd be. Oh, so she doesn't singing. sing it alone; she sings it with Beyonce. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It'd be, but better, she, mo- better, if, better if she sang it on her own. Or mostly, she has to hear it. Yeah. Uh, there may be some singing going on from okay. the person. I don't, I don't know the I don't know the I don't song. Know, I've heard of Beyonce, but I don't know how the song goes, which is fine. Mm. I don't think I need to. I'm not a 15 year old girl who plays soccer and footy, which is interesting. Overreach, perhaps. Which will win? Oh, the Battle of the Codes. Yeah. Anyway, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. It's uh, no, let's talk about the Battle of the Codes. <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's been a massive hit, and it's uh, here in Australia, you everywhere, mean? everywhere. Okay. Yeah, made India for, made for fifty odd million dollars. It's done about three hundred and fifty million worldwide. Okay, there won't be a sequel. I wager. Okay, I can understand uh, why. That, that's kind of good. I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah, I didn't love it. I no. really, I really did not love this. As, Were as you a, disposed in any direction? I I quite like Queen musically. Yep. Um, I loved uh, Rami Malek, who plays uh, Freddie Mercury from Mr. Robot. Yeah. Um, uh, Was I disposed? No, I wasn't predisposed for Mm -hmm. or against it. Yeah, that's a good way. It makes you a good reviewer, Carl. Thanks, Andrew. Objective. I I went with an open mind. I certainly didn't go at it saying, I hate Bohemian Rhapsody and never want to hear that song again, like some people people at this table might perhaps. Who have discernment. <laughs> you can treat that, you know. Anyway, I uh, I it's an ointment. I, I it's kind of a bit plodding and laboured, and I for for me the most egregious problem with it is the teeth. It's mm-hmm. the prosthetic teeth yeah. that Rami Malek wears just get in the way. Sure. Like, in, it's like wigs in some some indeed things, indeed you know, and there are there's some noses. serious wiggery going on in this yeah. movie as well I have to say um, and I it's kind of like it makes it hard for him to talk yeah. with his mouth full of like cemetery stones mm-hmm. and it was it's just kind of like too much sure it's like you can suggest the toothiness yeah. without having to be utterly sure uh, you know. Beholden to it, mm. and it just gets in the way. Mm. So, I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off the teeth. Sure. So, if there was a, you know, a an Academy book. Award, if there was a talking book, no, of this, if there was an Academy Award for best performance by a set of dentures, then yeah. I suspect that they would win. Mm-hmm. But as a, I don't know, as a, yeah, didn't didn't do it for me. Okay. Really didn't do it for me. Although the 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 sort of the great climactic sequence. Live Aid at Wembley. That's the climax. That is, and it was actually the first thing they shot, which is quite remarkable. Okay. But there's a there's a real energy to that and an excitement, and mm-hmm. but it gets into that thing of like, well, you can see that footage online, right? You can you can mm-hmm. watch that actual concert footage online, which I did recently. I went back and had a look at it. And it's like it is an amazing performance. Freddie Mercury's yeah. voice isn't at its peak, yeah. but it's still an incredible. Mm-hmm. Con, uh, you know, a micro concert, twenty minutes of of performance, and it's great. But it's like, well, you replicate that, and that's the best thing in the movie. What does that say about the movie? Yeah, not much. Yeah. Not much. Yeah. It says, why make the movie if the best thing is something you can see the real thing of, mm. which is probably better. Mm. Yeah. So it's a great piece of tribute filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. But. I can see it's not a great pe- bit of filmmaking. Somebody likes a band and they want to make a film about them, and they want to do it right and you know be authentic mm. and everything. And and in the end, it, you you would probably find yourself saying, "Well, what has this added 
to yeah. my knowledge or understanding or enjoyment. Maybe maybe a lot, maybe not much. Mm. You know. mm. I mean, it, Freddie's sexuality as a sort of topic of, you know, he was he was never really out mm-hmm. while he was alive. So, uh, you know, only only shortly before he died did he actually uh, announce that he was he he was HIV positive. Um, and you know it deals with that a little bit it kind of kind of deals with it and kind of shirks it a little bit at the same mm. time i mean you you couldn't actually say oh it doesn't go there because it does go there but it doesn't really kind of say right we're going to we're going to own up to the reality of this you know freddie's trawling the beats freddie's having a, a rampant lifestyle and you know he gets sick as a result of that it just kind of nudges it just sort of plays with it and sort of doesn't have the courage of its convictions, I think, and that's mm. I think that's part of what what was problematic. But yeah, mostly it's just the teeth. It's just the teeth, man. Well, people can wait till it's on Netflix, I suppose. The they? one thing I did like, yeah. though, that I really did like, and I and I can also see why people would decry this as a sort of a cheap moment, but uh. I did like it. Mike Myers plays uh, a record label boss right. who is basically presented with the the demo or the recording of Bohemian Rhapsody, and gives all the reasons why it's no good it's terrible yeah including this is not a song that young men will drive around in their car singing of course which is of course, of course. refers yeah. to wayne's world in which yeah. they do precisely that and it's kind of a cute moment maybe too cute mm-hmm. but i enjoyed it so that's what i'm taking i'm taking that <laughs> as a plus i'm taking the teeth as a negative so now what this is when the operatic section comes in Oh, the operatic section, yeah. It goes on forever, six bloody minutes. I pity your wife if you think six minutes is forever. There's a night on every month in Northcote, Bar 303, called Funky Kingston, where a bunch of DJs get together and play... I'm going to say reggae. No, Rocksteady. Oh. Ah, Rocksteady. Rocksteady and Scar. Ah. Okay. And so it's an it's an early to mid-60s mm. night. And this particular night, last Saturday, they had Jake Savona putting together a group to play a whole lot of Jackie Matu material. Jackie Matu was this teenage organ genius, not unlike uh, Booker T. Jones from Booker T. The MGs used to go to the Stax studios after school and, and play and, and work on, on stuff. And... Anybody who loves Jamaican music will know who Jackie Matu is, and it was um, it was amazing. Really tight band, great night, one of the many great nights that, that you can have when you live in Melbourne. This is so. What's today? What was what was that? Was the seventeenth? So that would make it like the second or third, maybe the third Saturday of the month, and it's on every month at Bar Three Hundred Three in Northcote, and it's a great night. Bar Three Hundred Three. I've, I've always wondered what it used to be because the band room has a really decent-sized stage, but the floor slopes downhill from the door straight to the toilets. Sounds like a cinema, Yeah, surely. well, I thought maybe it was a cinema or a little theatrette or something. It's not a big room oh. at, at all. It's very strange. It's been like that. I first started going there in 2001 uh, to see Jamie Ollers, who played there on a Wednesday night, the uh, tenor saxophone player, and they had all couches all lined across. So wherever you sat, you could see the band because up the top you know everyone graduates down but yeah this is a great night for the for the lovers of the jamaican sound they don't always have a band but they did this night and it's definitely worth going and checking out funky kingston is the name and it's at bar 303 
Andrew, before we uh, wrap, I just want to mention a couple of movies that I reckon Good. are worth catching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Old Man and the Gun. Directed really? By, directed by... Well, I'm just... You know, I'm not... Just... You, you're preempting, man. You're preempting. You're too quick. Sorry. Too quick. Sorry. Robert Redford. I'll take it back. Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford yep. playing... Heard of him. A, an old bank robber. Yeah. And... Uh, Sissy Spacek playing the woman he meets and kind of has a burgeoning relationship with and keeps his sort of... He tells her what he does, but he tells it in such a way that she thinks it's a joke. Uh-huh. And, uh, but then eventually it becomes... Did you say retired bank robber? No, no. no. Old. old. Old bank robber. Ah, old, ah so yes. he's still a bank robber. He's still a bank robber. Yeah. And he's, you know, he well, he's Robert Redford age... Yes, I, I'm trying to remember if his age is ever given in the film. I think you probably meant to sort of conclude that he's in his 70s or so. Mm. Um, you know, Redford is still. I've got. I've got to assume that Redford is still that he dyes his hair. That he does not. Yeah, I actually think, have I think he does. ginger. He's got grey sideies. No, he, he had blonde hair. I think he. he no, no, his, his hair was always sort of gingery blonde. Okay. Strawberry. Yeah. Let's call Strawberry it blonde. Strawberry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tune to the Glappers where we will talk about ageing actors' hairstyles <laughs> and the colours thereof from the Lady Clairol selection. I only, I only raise it because uh. his, it, it's a weird thing about Redford. He looks ancient. Yeah. I mean, his face is just this haggard kind of lined. You know, the guy's spent his life... In the sun. Riding horses, skiing. Speedboats. Speedboats. You know, he's... <laughs> Living the life, and I, 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 I doffs me cap to Robert mm-hmm. Redford. Well done, sir. Well played. But he's got a very, very lined face, and yep. when you're watching that face, you've spoken about this before. I with, have. With that, it troubles that me. It film troubles where me. he's the man on the boat. What's yeah, that yeah, one yeah. Called? All, uh, all is lost. All, all is lost. lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, more, of, more of it here. More of it here. I don't think you should see any more Robert Redford films. It's just well, too he disturbing. Did, for he you. has said that this is his last film. Yeah, they all say that, and then they make another one. Well, guess what? He then also said. Actually, no, I think I was just riffing. That's not really the way it's going to be. He's at least had the decency to kind of nip that one in the bud quickly. Um, It's directed by David Lowry, written and directed by David Lowry. It's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. The sort of seeds of this story were in a New Yorker article some years back. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's interesting. But it's... A ghost story is the most is the film before this that Lowry did. He mm. he um, also made uh, Ain't Them Body Saints and uh, Pete's Dragon, which is I don't know any so of these films. completely yeah. outside of that lineage. Mm-hmm. But a ghost story is a film that I absolutely loved. I just thought that was such an inventive piece of filmmaking, and I think by contrast. That's Whoopi Goldberg. Patrick no, Patrick, <laughs> it certainly Moore. is not. No, it's no. definitely not any of those. <laughs> What's it's that? Casey Affleck in a sheet. That's what it's most okay. renowned for. Uh, it It's basically a story about, I guess it's kind of like a haunted house story, but from the perspective of the the spirit that is trapped in the house. Okay, yeah. And it's... Which is kind of reductive, but it's that's close enough to give you okay. give you a sense of it. It's a beautiful, beautiful film, and really quite experimental, and not really Good. didn't but, sort of catch fire with with the with the box office. Back, back to the film you really liked, yeah. the old man with the gun. Uh, old man and the gun. Yeah, old yeah, man and the gun. Yeah, yeah. Do you recommend it? 
I, I'm I, yeah, yes with cautiously. some with yes I think yeah. cautiously I kind of think it's it's a slow film it's a really kind of ambling kind would it of be film for people of respects. his age group who are feeling like a nice gentle stroll through the bank it's got it's got more cheek than that it's not car. it's not <laughs> getaway Zimmer. it's got a bit more it's got a bit more oomph than that yeah. uh, it's it's kind of I guess it's a yes for an older audience probably mm-hmm. it is. Uh, really a film about somebody who just he's found the thing that he's good at and he just wants to keep doing it who said I was going to see you again would you well let's take this place say it was a bank and instead of that counter up there that was really a teller's window and you just walk in real calm so you walk right up look her in the eye and you say ma'am this is a robbery and you show her the gun like this and you say I wouldn't want you to get hurt because I like you I like you a lot. So don't go breaking my heart now, okay? (sighs) You're not serious. There's a kind of, like, I'm not going to go, you know, he's, I'm not going to go gently. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say time to hang up my my shingle and, you know, hang hang up my my boots and and, Mm -hmm. uh, go gracefully into retirement. No way. I'm going to keep doing the thing I love doing, even though it's not in my interest to keep doing it. Yeah. And it ruins everything else. Yeah. But, man, I really love Robin Banks. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'll give that one a miss. Next. Really? <laughs> next. Well, okay, next. And and I'm keeping with the theme here. <laughs> Shoplifters. Right. Yeah. Don't talk about that. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm wanna, not going to talk wanna, about it seen in it terms of plot. I'm just going to say it, it is it's a film that won the Palm d'Or. I know. It's by uh directed by Hirokazu uh Koreeda. It is about a, a family of shoplifters multi-generational living in very close confines sitting around the table at night slurping their stolen noodles Mm. noisily and joyously and it is about it's basically just a portrait of this this group of people and the way they live malingerers well doll bludgers cheating the state cheating the state and then they kidnap a child great well, I wasn't. Good gonna, on I wasn't going to give anything away about. Good the plot, on but You carry on, thieves. You who've not Miscreants. seen the movie. <laughs> Rapscallions all. I didn't realise you were standing for election in the Victorian <laughs> Parliament for a minor party called Kick <laughs> Them All Out. No, I I jest with you. I I, yeah. I I loved After the Rain. That was the first film I saw in the film festival in two thousand and. 16 at the Melbourne International Film Festival and it was great I may have spoken to you about it or, or not I can't remember but it's, it was a great film and uh, again family mm. drama I, I think he's very similar in some respects to Ozu whose films are, are very close knit yeah. units of family and not not at all loving sometimes quite hostile and uh, always rendered in a evenly paced way and Ozu I'm talking about now I've only seen the one I've only seen After the Rain which I thought was just marvellous and a great film to see at the start of a film it really makes you feel optimistic about what's to come and so I I heard about this and Mm. I thought man I've got to see this and I was going to see it yesterday but you didn't I forgot that I had a job (laughs) I had to go to work I forgot I had a job. I had to right? go to work. I think it's time for a change of profession. <laughs> Shoplifting for you, young man. So you like it? Yeah. yeah I, th- I think great, it's, I think it's uh, look, look, uh, one point of reservation. I think it kind of, 
it's a slightly rosy glow of the sort of fringe dwellers of, mm-hmm. of, of society. It's like, look at them. They, we, we, like the, t- the homeless people in Tampa. A little bit. Yeah. You know, it's Are a little bit like we, 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 we treat them as the cast-offs, but look how much better they are than us kind of thing. It's got that kind yeah. of slightly romanticized, noble savage, noble savage yeah, kind of yeah, vibe. Sure. A little bit. Right? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So that would be my one note of reservation. Mm-hmm. Um I say this not as a note of reservation, but as a warning to people who don't like slow cinema. It is slow cinema, right? It is. Well, you know that our listeners are like me. Discerning. Our listeners are like me, and they are quite happy to let a story unfold at its own gentle pace. Yes. Well, this certainly not does have that. it rammed down their throat in 15 seconds, yep. snap jump cuts. It's disorienting in, mm-hmm. in many respects uh, in terms of the dynamic between the characters, the location, the kind of who's doing what mm. kind of aspects are quite uh, unresolved for a, la- a long part of the film. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is resolved, I think, quite neatly. Well, not neatly. That makes it sound a bit sort of Hollywood-ish. Yeah, but it's a satisfying Absolutely. conclusion. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's a beautifully resolved piece of filmmaking. Great. Absolutely terrific. I understand totally why it got it won the Palm Door. Yeah, well, um, look, which is not always evident. You can't always say, sex, I understand well, that choice. Sex, Lies and Videotape won the Palm Door. <laughs> okay. Do the right thing. Didn't win the Palm Door. So really, I, I have hold no veneration for films that win awards at all. Whether they win Academies, Palms, Bears, Eagles, or the uh, Silver American Feather of Peace and the Globes. None, none, none of that means anything. It doesn't make mean it's a good film. Doesn't mean it's a bad film. It just means that a group of people thought it was better than the other ones. And those group of people, some of them are models, some of them are actors, some of them have got their own axe to grind. Are you telling me that you don't pay any attention to the MTV People's Choice Awards? I do not. I, as I you, am surprised. As you know, as you know I, do, I do like to celebrate the Academy Awards and, and, and have some people around. Well, when, we, when it used to be on at night, mm. people around open up a couple of bottles of sparkling wine, make bets. Again, the internet's killed all know, that. It's killed it. It was a lot of fun. Damn and, the internet! And there was always some, some great montage of people who have died, and you know, it was yeah, it's different. That all still happens. It just happened it, several it, hours earlier. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> irrespective of the awards, it's one. It's, it sounds like a great film, and I'm yep. looking forward to seeing it. It's one of Carly. Carly. It's one of Carly. And I was hoping Carl likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping to have seen it so that I could add something intelligent to the discussion, which is something that I rarely do. So thank you for making me look like an idiot. Well, I'm going to recommend this film. Assuming you get to see it, right? Yeah. You can can tell me all the reasons I'm right or wrong. Seeing as I'm constantly telling people to not see films that I have not seen, (laughs) I'm going to take this opportunity to tell people to see a film that I have not seen and say that it's excellent. You're such a contrarian. You're even (laughs) contrary to your own. Oh, I know. It's hard being me. You should be in my head. It's an awful, awful place. Vigorous and harsh. That's it for the clappers. Thank you for putting up with Carl. And it was just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs>